We talking hoops season two. Let's go. What up, though? It's your coach. Who talks hoops the most? It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the GLIAC, AU to high school and any gym that he had. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer, was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer, he's that dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two, so buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do, cause we talking hoops, yeah. Well, it's your coach that knows hoops the most. This is episode 17, fourth quarter quarantine coming down. Recording the podcast live on Facebook this week. Normally, I've been doing the Facebook lives, the IG lives, but I haven't been recording for a podcast. This week, I'm doing my podcast live. So what you're hearing now, you're going to hear on my podcast. This is episode 17. It's the coach that knows hoops the most. This week, we're going to talk about the NBA update, when they're going to start the season. We'll talk about the NCAA dead period getting uh, extended to July 31st. We're also going to talk about uh, the recruiting mitten update. Got some guys that, were, that uh, committed to, to Michigan schools here. Going to talk about that. And I got a rabbit hole. I got a new segment I'm doing. It's called What If. What If. And this What If this week, I'm talking about what if I was the Pistons GM last 15 years. What If. Because the Pistons have done a very bad job drafting in the last 15 years. And it's a rabbit hole I went down under. And I'm going to let y'all know when I get there. But what if I was the GM for the Pistons for the last 15 years? So we're going to talk about that too. But you're listening to the podcast live. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. We in the building, man, or we in the parking lot. You already know how I'm getting it. This is the fourth quarter quarantine edition. Just talking basketball, talking hoops. Uh, The first thing I want to talk about. Uh, this week is the NBA update. So I want to talk about the NBA uh, getting back into regular playing. You know, they're going to play in Disney. I talked about it two weeks ago, how they were going to play in Walt Disney World, the worldwide of sports at Disney. And it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, Florida has already opened up. States have already opened up. They're going to play basketball in Florida. And the NBA will be in Florida. It will not be in Las Vegas. So uh, this week, just know I'm not answering questions. I'm just recording my podcast live. So if you are listening or watching this, this will be the podcast for this week, episode 17, fourth quarter quarantine edition. We're talking about the NBA update. So the NBA is going to continue. Uh, you got different kind of options of how they're going to go. So are they going to do a play-in games for the teams that didn't get in? They really want Zion Williamson to be in the playoffs because one of the options that they have is that the Western Conference, they didn't say anything about the Eastern Conference, but the Western Conference doing a play-in game for the ninth, the 8th, ninth, and 10th seed to play into the playoffs. So they're going to have to figure out how they're going to do the playoffs. Are they going to do a play-in game? They might do a play-in game. Are you going to go straight to the playoffs? I like what I saw with the 16 seeds. And you just seed it out, 1 through 16. Like, that would be very interesting if they do it. I thought they should have did it a long time ago. Just take the NBA playoffs. And then instead of doing it normally, Eastern and Western Conference, you take the top 16 teams and then you just, you know, go about it that way. So 
I hope they do it that way. I hope they seed the 16 teams for the NBA because it's exciting. It's something we want to see. We feed it for sports. So whichever major sports outlet can figure it out, that's going to be the teams that we watch. Those are going to be the games that we watch because we feed it for some sports. We've been in quarantine for like 90 days. Like if you if you really did it to stay at home, I really did it. So I ain't been out in these streets. Okay, if I needed some groceries, I did that. If I went need some beverages, I go get that. Other than that, I've been at the house with the kids. So for the people that have been quarantined, like we've really been in the house for like 90 days. So we fiended for some sports. Like there's only so much sports talk you could do talking about LeBron and MJ. Like it's only so much you could do. So we we fiended for some sports. So how is the NBA going to continue? If they have the playoffs, and I'm eager to see what they're gonna do with the playoffs. They're going to have some type of warm-up games, but I want them to do the one through six teams and seed it because that will be very interesting because you'll have matchups from the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, and it's no cakewalk for anybody. Like, you really got to come to the table, and you got to play. So another update that we talked about, so we talked about the NBA. Another thing that came up this week was the TBT tournament had put out details of what they're going to do this summer. So in July... The basketball tournament was one of the best tournaments around. They've came out with their details and they've said that they're going to have one quarantine location. They're going to have 24 teams and they're going to play their tournament in 10 days. And I think that's going to be pretty dope. I think it's going to be pretty dope. I know Ohio State Buckeyes, they got a couple teams that's going to be in the tournament. Uh, team D2, that's uh, one of the assistant coaches, Andy Brockema, who's the assistant at Fair State. I want to see how they do. Uh, but why Michigan ain't got a team? I ain't seen the Michigan TBT tournament team. Y'all need a coach? Holler at me. Like, I want a team in this tournament. I know we got players from the state of Michigan that can compete in this tournament at a very high level. And D. Rice will be the point guard on that team. And Crossover, Jake Crossover, will be the wing on that team. Like, I'm going to tell you, it's some guys that can play in the TBT tournament that can make some money. That probably could win the tournament from the state of Michigan, from Detroit, from Saginaw, from Flint. Like, I'm going to need somebody to step up and get a team. Like, which one of y'all is going to get a team in the TBT tournament? Because I'm tired of seeing our guys playing for Team Dayton or Team D2 or uh, whatever. Like, we need a Michigan TBT team. Like, for real. Like, and, and Rick Palmer going to be the coach. Rick Palmer going to be the head coach. I'm going to be the assistant. I'm going to let Rick do what he do. Because Rick can get all the players in it. He know all the players. Let's go in. Let's bring them all in. Bring Joe Crawford. Bring uh, CDR. Like, bring all these guys back. Have them play for Michigan. And let's win some money, man. I'm telling you. A Michigan TBT tournament team would be pretty cold. I'm telling you it would. And I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't going to be nobody that can stay in front of Maurice Jones Cooper. I'm telling you right now. Ain't nobody staying in front of him. Nobody. So I, I, I'm i excited about the TBT tournament. I'm very excited. I would like for Michigan to have a team. So let's get a team together, y'all, man. We got some very great coaches here. We're available. Me, for, for sure. And I don't even need no money. Well, I ain't going to say that. I ain't going to offer my services for free. Because I could get down. But that TBT tournament is going to happen in July. One quarantine location. And hopefully Michigan puts together a team. So we had it announced today. 
And if you're just now tuning in, this is my podcast for the week. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. This episode 17, fourth quarter quarantine. Hopefully you come back and you listen to it because I got some jewels that I'm dropping later on. I got a segment that I'm bringing. It's called What If I Was the GM for the Detroit Pistons? Ooh, last 15 years. The the team that I put together that they could have drafted, man, it's going to be crazy. But anyway... The NCAA just released today, and they said they moved the dead period for Division I coaches to July 31st. So what does that do for recruiting? What does that do for high school athletes in the class of 2021? Well, what it does is you're still going to have tournaments. Now, you didn't get a spring tournament. You didn't get any spring exposure. So for those high school players that are in the class of 2021, and you see that tonight like, man, D1s can't come. Like in July, there are going to be tournaments in July. If the NBA starts in July, there will be in, there will be AAU tournaments in June. There will be AAU tournaments in July. So you're going to have the chance to play, but you're not going to have a chance to play in front of D1 coaches. But the last time I checked, when I went to Spies and for their Bill Hensley Memorial Day uh, weekend shootout, D1s couldn't come to that. But you had the best players there. You had the best teams there. You had all the scouts there. You had rivals there. You had ESPN 100 there. You had everybody was there. So I would not be surprised if August 1st, 2nd, or 3rd, if you don't have a Nike event, will it be open or not, that first weekend in August, and you got Nike hosting an AAU event, and it's all Nike teams. And whether D1 coaches can be there or not, all the scouts will be there. There will still be tournaments. It's no different than in the spring when you got tournaments and you can't attend them. D1s can't attend. Because the D1s couldn't attend Spice. And they was there. Memorial Day weekend, everybody was there. The best of the best, especially in the Midwest, was there. The D1s wasn't there. But guess what? The whole GLIAC was there. The whole GLVC was there. The whole GMAC was there. The whole Gleek, the whole uh, JUCO was there. All the scouts are there. So that's what's going to happen. You're still going to have tournaments. So you still have the opportunity to showcase that you can play. Don't waste that opportunity, seniors. 2021. Don't waste that opportunity. You're going to get a chance to play in front of some scouts. Well, I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen at the end of July, maybe the first weekend of August, and you better be ready. So if you ain't been doing nothing the last, I don't know, 90 days, like you need to get, you need to get with Coach Day Day with the Brick by Brick program. You need to get out here and get on the bicycle, run some miles, because if you ain't been getting in the quarantine, they're going to eat you alive. They're going to eat you alive, and the scouts is going to see you, and they're going to be like, I ain't recruiting him. Like, what he been doing the last four months, last three months. So this is really going to see who's really been who's really been working on their own. Ain't no coaches been out. Ain't no gyms been open. Who's really been working on the game on their own? So you're still going to get a chance to be seen. Even though it got extended the dead period, the D1s could be there. Trust me, they all hit up TJ Kelly. They all hit up guys like me, Coach White. They all hit up the guys that's going to be there. So trust me, they might not be there in presence. They will know who gets off. Because trust me, if you if Omar Ziegler goes to an event August 1st and he's the best player there and he outbeats, say, Julian Lewis, who got 10 or 12 Division One offers, trust me, he'll get four or five offers that week. You just got to be be ready to perform. It has to happen. Okay? So be ready to play, recruits. Be ready to play. There will still be AAU. It's going to be late July, 
early August. It's gonna happen. If the M just look at the NBA. Whenever the NBA starts, that sets the tone. So they already said the NCAA then already said that people can be on campus. The NCAA then already said that there's there will be uh, voluntary workouts that you can go to. The NBA is already in place to start back. So once the NBA starts back, everything else falls in line. So uh, just wanted to give you guys that update to talk about the July. Look, listen, I'm hot, man. I'm hot. My car is off. So just uh, I apologize for all the sweat, but you know, I get it in, man. I'm one of those sweat equity guys, coaches. I get it in. So if I got to record this podcast sitting on leather seats, burning up in 90 degree weather, I will because I'm for the people. So uh, here's my recruit the mitten, the update that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Drew Louder. Drew Louder commits to Eastern Michigan University. He goes out to Holy Cross. He averages 13 or 14 points per game as a freshman, which is saying a lot. And he transferred back to Eastern Michigan. But here's my question. Why does a guy like Drew Louder, why does he have to transfer from Holy Cross? Why didn't he already go to Eastern Michigan? He played at Ann Pioneer. Last time I checked, Ann Arbor Pioneer ain't too far from Eastern Michigan University. So this player shouldn't have to go all the way to Holy Cross, have a phenomenal uh, freshman year to come all the way back to Michigan. So recruit the mitten. I've been talking about it for the last three or four months. Recruit the state of Michigan. This kid should not have to leave the state to have to transfer back home. It shouldn't happen that way. Stop letting these guys leave. This is the perfect time. This is the perfect time for our in-state schools to clean up, clean up Eastern, Western, Western, man. I'm not sure what they're doing. They bringing all these guys from Illinois, Miami, whatever. They not recruiting the state of Michigan. So re recruit the mitten don't apply to Western Michigan. It never did. That's why my dad didn't want me to go there. I got a quick story. So when I was in high school, 1999, I was looking for a college to go to and had great grades. Had a 3.7 and a 21 on the ACT. So my dad was like, well, we got to pick a school for you to go to, but I know you want to play. So that means you're not going to Michigan or Michigan State and you're not going to UAD. And I'm like, I can't go to UAD. He's like, nah, you can't go to UAD. It costs too much. So in the event that we have to pay for a year, I can't send you there. So I'm like, okay, so what about Eastern? He was like, well, you can go to Eastern, but that coach is going to get fired this year. I'm like, okay, uh, what about Western? They don't recruit the city. You're not going there. I was like, damn, okay, I guess I'm not going to Western Michigan University. Then I knew nothing about the GLIAC when I was in high school. I knew nothing about Northwood, Saginaw Valley, Wayne State. I knew nothing about Wayne. They never came to our games, even though they were right down the street. Didn't know. Just so happened that Saginaw Valley came to one of my games to watch my teammate. My dad was sitting next to the coach. He said, bring your son up. What's his grades? Bring your son up to an open gym. I go to the open gym. The rest is history. So I say that story to tell you that even then, my dad wasn't, fucking, wasn't messing with Western Michigan University. Said so they ain't recruit Detroit. And the same applies today. They don't mess with Michigan. Now, when Saudi... Washington was there when Bakari Alexander was there. They was messing with Michigan players. They was. They was. And I best believe that Flanar Whitfield was probably one of their best players. He went to Detroit King. How about Andre Wicks? He went to Detroit Persian. So you got guys from the city that 
Like, they used to get it done, but they ain't recruited like that. So, you know, you already know what it is. Uh, recruit the mitten. So, shouts out to uh, Drew Louder for committing back to the Eastern Michigan University. He's an eagle now, coming back home. But he should have never left. He should have never left. Holy Cross had three Michigan guys on their roster. How? How does Holy Cross... I know they're an Ivy League school, but they ain't never been no. Name me one player that went to Holy Cross and made the league. One player. I'll wait. I got a lot of time. I'm in my car. I'm sweating. Can't name you one. So how does Holy Cross come into the state of Michigan and they get three guys, three, three guys on the roster? He should have never had to go to Holy Cross, but what do I know? I'm just a podcast host, man. It's your coach that knows who's the most. They want to talk about... Uh, Recruit the bidding again. I am not answering questions this week, and this is the podcast for the week. You're just watching it live. I told you this is exactly how I how I record my podcast every week. So you just watching the podcast and how I get down. So that's the recruit mitten uh, portion that I want to do this week. But I got a rabbit hole that one of my friends hit me down. This is a new segment I'm doing, and you guys, this is the best part of the pie right here. This is the best part of the pot, I'm telling you. A friend of mine sent me down a rabbit hole. He sent me an article. And the article was, the, the Pistons, the Detroit Pistons are looking for a GM. Who's going to be their next GM? It was uh, Tayshaun Prince. It was uh, Billups. It was Shane Battier. Like, they had some really good guys on this list. And as I'm looking on this list, I'm like, I'm cool with anybody on this list. You got guys with experience. You got African-American guys. You got guys that played in the league. Like, you got some really good guys on this list. However, like, they're going to have to draft. Because our drafts have been total crap the last 15 years. Since 2005, our draft choices for the Detroit Pistons have been terrible. At least roll your windows down. If I roll the windows down, you're going to hear the outside. I don't, want, I don't want you to hear the outside. Hey, man, I'm like I said, I'm a sweat equity kind of guy. I don't mind sweating. I, hey, I get it in. I got it from the mud. Anyway, so this is my what if segment. The Coach Cam what if. What if Coach Cam was the GM for the Detroit Pistons? And we're going to start with 2005. I'm telling you, I done went down a rabbit hole. So I hope you guys buckle up. Because this is going to be the majority of this podcast this week. So buckle up because I'm taking you down the road. 2005 to present and what the Pistons have been doing in the draft. Of what the team they could have built through the draft. I'm not talking about free agency. I'm not talking about trades. I'm talking about this is the team they could have built through the draft starting in 2005 if Coach Cam was a GM. So in 2005, who gets drafted in 2005? 2005, you got Jason Maxill. Like, Jason Maxill, man? Like, come on. All right? he Jason Maxill. All right. They, they picked Jason Maxill, the 26th pick. All right. But they couldn't have got nobody else. Maybe maybe Davey Lee, they could have got him. He played eight years in Detroit. He averaged five points per game. You drafted a guy in the first round that averaged five points per game. Now, the guy you drafted in the second round, Amir Johnson, had a little bit better career, but just say 05 was a, was a wash. Now, here's the tricky part. If now 04, 05, 04, they won in the, they won the, the finals. 05, they went back to the finals. So when you're a really good team, you don't have great draft picks because you don't need to rebuild your team. You already have a good team. So 
early on, they really didn't need the draft. But just follow me down this rabbit hole that I went today. Just follow me. So, 05, they get Jason Maxill and Emil Johnson. Cool. 06, you get Will Blaylock. That's the only pick. The very last pick of the draft. Will Blaylock. He's not on the roster the next two years. Got you. 2007. Here was the big mistake. You draft Rodney Stuckey with the 15th pick. Now, Rodney Stuckey came out of Eastern Washington. And I guess Joe Dumars felt like he was a guy that played like him. Like he was an under, underrated guy, low major, low major conference, don't really know much about him. He's going to be a stud. Okay, well, guys that could have picked over him, Wilson Chandler, they probably could have got Wilson Chandler, maybe a little bit later from DePaul. They could have got Jared Dudley a little bit later. But Stuckey played seven years in Detroit, so I'll give you Stuckey. In the seven years, he was eight a game, 13, 17, 16, 15, 12, and 14, right? But you passed on Nick Young, who played at USC, and I probably would have went with Nick Young over Rodney Stuckey. Now, you'll say, well, Rodney Stuckey was pretty productive for the Pistons. Yeah, I get it. But in the grand scheme of things, I think Nick Young was a better player and had a little bit more swag. Swaggy P, man. You got to go Swaggy P. Nobody know about no damn Rodney Stuckey. So they also drafted Aaron, Aaron Aflalo with the 22nd pick, 27th pick. He played two years in Detroit. I mean, it was nobody around the people that got drafted. They could have drafted him. So that's that wasn't, you couldn't, you couldn't have did no worse than that. 2008, they drafted DJ White. I want you to tell me who DJ White is. He played at Indiana. He was the 29th pick. So he went first round. They drafted DJ White. He was 15 and 6 in college. But guess who they could have get at number 35? If they had waited, or if they would have bumped them up, DeAndre Jordan. They could DeAndre Jordan at 35. So if you got DJ White, who ain't in the league, he ain't been in the league in a while, you drafted DJ White at 29, you could have got DeAndre Jordan. Now, DeAndre Jordan had a lot of issues in, in college. He had a lot of issues, but he averaged 13.8 rebounds a game. Like, how does a guy like that go second round? He had definitely first round pick. So you need people in place to draft guys like DeAndre Jordan instead of DJ White. So that's 08. 08, 09. Austin Day. This this is where I just, when I saw this, I was just like, like dog. Like how in the world does anybody draft Austin Day out of Gonzaga? I'm going to tell you the guys that went right after Austin Day. Now Austin Day, he played four years in Detroit, averaged five points per game. Okay. All right, I guess that's productive. Here's the guys they missed out on. You missed out on Drew Holiday. You missed out on Ty Lawson. You missed out on Jeff T. So Austin Day went 15. Drew Holiday went 16. Ty Lawson went 17. Jeff T went 18. So these are the guys went right after him. Like, oh shit. All right, if you're gonna take him, I'm gonna take the other guys. Okay. So in the second round, they draft Dewan Summers and uh Jonas Jerebko. Jerebko was cool. But it was like they missed on Jody Meeks, they missed on Pat Bev, and they missed on Danny Green. We're going to get back to them in a minute. Let's go to 2010. 2010 is where they made the biggest mistake. They made the biggest mistake because they grafted Greg Monroe with the seventh pick. Seventh pick, Detroit Pistons graft Greg Monroe. Played five seasons in Detroit. Guess who they passed on? Gordon Haywood and Paul George. So Monroe went seven, Gordon Haywood went nine, Paul George went ten. 
So these are max players right now in 2020. Gordon Hayward and Paul George are max players. Is Greg Monroe a max player? No, he's not. Guess who they got in the second round? They drafted a guy who never played in the NBA. They drafted Tariko White with the 36 pit. He never played NBA. You could have better off gotten Lance Stevenson. So let's continue on. I told you, I went down a rabbit hole today, and that's why I wanted to start this podcast. I can't see the questions. I know some people are going to ask some questions. Just listen to the podcast. 2011, you drafted Brandon Knight with the eight pick. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Brandon Knight. All right, cool. Out of Kentucky. Cool. Guess who they missed on in 2011? You missed on Kimball Walker, Clay Thompson, and Kawhi Leonard. You missed on all three of those to draft Brandon Knight? Like, Brandon, like, really? You picked Brandon Knight over Kimball Walker, who had probably the best run in the NCAA tournament ever. You pass on him. All right, cool. Klay Thompson. All right. He might not have been great at Stafford, but he was shooting 45% from three. Don't you need three-point shooters in this era? I think you do. Kawhi Leonard, come on, man. So the Spurs is smarter than everybody else. They smarter than everybody else. They hit Kawhi Leonard with the 15th pick. Like, come on. So 2011 was the year where we missed a lot. And you get Brandon Knight, you only got him for two years. He averaged 13 points per game. You got him for two years. And in the second round, you draft Kyle Singler. Like, come on. Kyle Singler at Duke was about as soft as white tissue on white bread in the rain. That's soft, okay? You missed on Chandler Parsons, who in three years was 10, to, 10 a game, 15 a game, 16 a game. Kyle Singler was 9-9-6. Nine, nine, we drafted a guy that couldn't average double figures in the league. So I'm going to keep going. I told you, I went down a rabbit hole. I hope you follow me down this rabbit hole if I was to GM for the Detroit Pistons the last 15 years. I told you, this is just me. Wait till I tell you the team that I come up with after I finish this. Just wait, because this would be all guys we could have drafted. So 2012, 2012 was probably the draft they got right. You you drafted Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond was 14 and 13 at UConn. So you kind of got it. You kind of kind of draft him. And the second round, uh, you get Chris Middleton. So okay, I'm cool with Drummond and Middleton. I'm cool, right? I'm good. So 2012, you got it right. You got it right. Got you a big. You got you a guard, Chris Milton. Cool. But then you just draft Greg Monroe two years prior. Like, so you just going to have two horses right there. So at this point is where I stopped my rabbit hole. I stopped my rabbit hole in 2012. And I was like, okay, let me look at the roster that was on 2012, 2013. And let me go back. And I'm going to draft the guys that I want to draft. And I'm going to put a, a squad together in 2012 and 2013 that can compete better than the t team that they got. So this is the Pistons team in 2012-2013. Greg Monroe, Tayshawn Prince, Jose Calderon. Now, Jose Calderon was a free agent. He, Well, I think he came in the, in the trade. Anyway, uh, Brandon Knight, Rodney Stuckey, Kyle Singler, Jason Maxill, Andre Drummond, Jonas Jarebko, Chris Middleton, uh, uh, Charlie Villanueva, who they got in free agency, and Austin Day. These are all guys they drafted. So the whole roster was guys they drafted. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put my team together 
of guys that I should have drafted if I was the GM. So if I was the GM, right, of course, I'm going to get Nick Young. I'm going to get Nick Young. I'm going to draft DeAndre Jordan in the second round. I'm going to draft Drew Holiday, who we passed on. I'm also going to draft Danny Green, who we passed on, or Pat Bev. Take your pick. You want a shooter or you want a defender? Okay. I'm also going to draft Paul George instead of, uh, I forget which one it was, Greg Monroe. All right. And you can take your pick. You can do a Gordon Hayward or Paul George, whatever. I'm also going to get Kawhi Leonard. I'm going to get Kawhi Leonard. I'm going to get Chandler Parsons. I already got Andre Drummond and Chris Middleton. And off the bench, I think it was uh, Nick Young coming off the bench. So here's my starting five. In 2012-2013, the team that won it was the Miami Heat. So I'm going to put my starting five together. At the starting, at the one position, I got Drew Holiday. At the two, I got Paul George. At the three, I got Kawhi Leonard. At the four, I got Tayshaun Prince. Now you might say, well, why you got Tayshaun Prince at the four is 2013? Well, in 2012-2013, he still was 11-5. and five. So, And he played like 25-30 minutes a game. So Tayshaun Prince was still effective in this year. And at the center, I got DeAndre Jordan. Off the bench, I got Nick Young. I got Danny Green. I got Chris Middleton. And I got uh, Chandler Parsons coming off the bench. And in that year... I'm not talking about a team that competed in 2020. In 2012 and 2013, that team right there could compete for an NBA championship. Now, if they had beat the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat had uh, Chalmers, LeBron, Wade, Haslam, Bosh. The factor in that is LeBron. So you got a young Kawhi going against LeBron. So they might not have got him in 2012, 2013. You might not have got him that year because LeBron was the MVP. He was 27, 8, and 7. You might not have got LeBron that year. They brought Norris Cole, Ray Allen, and uh, the Birdman off the bench. You might not have got him in 2012 and 2013. But the following year, the following year, 13 and 14, when the San Antonio Spurs won a championship, you got Drew. You still got Drew Holiday. He's still getting 15 and 8 a game. Paul George, he upped his numbers. Now he's at 22 and 7 a game. Kawhi numbers went up. He's averaging 13 and 5. Tayshaun Prince gets replaced. Tayshaun Prince gets replaced by Chandler Parsons, who's averaging 17 and 5 this season. And then you get DeAndre Jordan at center, who's leading the league in rebounds. And you got Andre Drummond coming off the bench. And you still got Nick Young. You still got Danny Green. You still got Chris Middleton. I'm telling you, if if we had drafted right, the team that I drafted right now is still playing to this day. Now, the issue you're going to have is you're going to have an issue with trying to keep these guys together. You're trying to keep, well, let me think, the L.A. Clippers. Let me think of that team. They got Pat Beth. They got Paul George. And they got Kawhi Leonard. Hmm. These are all guys that Detroit Pistons could have drafted. And if they had drafted correctly, like Coach Cam would have drafted, you could have had this team from 2013 to 2020. All of these players that I mentioned were under the age of 27. Nick Young was the oldest. He was 27 years old. Everybody else was 21, 20, 24, 25. The Detroit Pistons could have had on their team. And I'll repeat, if they had drafted correctly, DeAndre Jordan, Drew Holiday, Danny Green, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Ken, Chandler Parsons, Andre Drummond, Chris Middleton, Nick Young. Like, do I need to keep going? 
I don't need to keep going. So that's why the draft is so important. The draft is so important because if you miss a couple years, it can set your franchise back. This in 2012, we drafted Greg Monroe over Jordan Hayward, Gordon Hayward and Paul George, two max players, two max players. And I'm not even talking free agency. We have not mentioned free agency. This is all draft. We would I would have got eight or nine guys, three or four top five in their position in the league playing right now for a championship they might not have won in the 2012 2013 they would have won in the 2013 2014 so that's at least one title what they would have did the next year they all young they all young at the time they 21 20 23 years old like man so for the detroit pistons here's what i need you to do i don't care who you hire as your next gm just know when you hire this person that the draft is extremely important because if you could tell the average Detroit fan that we could have had Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, or Klay Thompson, like with Andre Drummond, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Middleton, like, come on, man. Like, you really got it wrong. You really got it wrong. And what if Coach Cam was a GM? If Coach Cam was a GM, that's the team that I'm drafting, and that's the team that would have stayed together until this day. Because I'd have paid the guys that's supposed to get paid. I'd have paid Kawhi. I'd have paid Kawhi George, and I'd have made sure all the other guys got paid too. Now you might lose. You might lose Andre Drummond. You might lose DeAndre Jordan because both those guys, as they played more, their value went way up, way up. So, like I said, the hardest part would have been keeping these guys together, but. That's just the segment that I'm doing this week. It's called the What If. What if Coach Cam was the GM for the Detroit Pistons for the last 15 years? And I'm telling you, man, they need to do something right. Hopefully they bring somebody in the office that they can bring us some players, some high-level players. Because to say right now that the Pistons could have had Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and DeAndre Jordan and Nick Young, man, it's crazy to think about. But it's the truth. But if you don't get the if you don't get the draft right and you still drafting, you know, guys like Tariqa White in the second round never played a game. And you drafting guys like Rodney Stuckey and Stanley Johnson. I, I stopped at 2013. I could have went further. I could have went further, but I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna stop right there. Cause our drafts have been so bad. I don't wanna even dig no I I didn't already dig this hole long enough. I don't wanna do it no longer. So I'm just a Detroit fan. I'm a Pissing fan. I'm hoping we get it together. I hope they hire somebody that can draft. Shane Battier, I like Shane Battier. I like Chauncey Billups. But they have to have the experience. Tayshaun Prince would be a good pick. They have to have the experience, and they have to be able to draft. Because if you can't draft, you cannot build your team for success. So that's just this week's pod. I appreciate you guys for tuning in to the live. Uh, I got an interview coming tomorrow. So on the end of this, you're here an interview with a D1 coach. I'm not going to tell you who that coach is. It's probably not nobody you know. Uh, but it's your coach that knows who's the most. We're going to go into this interview with this D1 coach. And yeah, after it's your coach that knows who's the most. I told you guys I had an important phone call. I uh, got a good friend of mine out of Indianapolis. Uh, coaches at IUPUI. Uh, coach, welcome to my platform. What's going on, my man? Not a thing. For my listeners that, that are tuning into this interview, I want you to introduce yourself to my podcast, where you coach at, and what's your basketball background? 
Yeah, first, uh, I'd like to thank Cam for having me on. Obviously, uh, like he said, we've been good friends for a while. I think it goes all the way back to, uh, I think, 2015 or 2016. Um, but Cam is uh, is my guy in Michigan. Anything I need, I, I always hit Cam up for any Michigan uh, basketball dirt, anything recruiting. So uh, thanks for having me on here. Um, I'm assistant at IUPUI. My name is Isaac Lockley. And, uh, and let's let's go. I'm ready. Okay. All right, so you're assistant at IUPUI. Are you from Indianapolis? Are you from, like, where are you from? Like, what's your basketball background? Like, where'd you go to high school? Where'd you yep. play at college? Like, you know, tell us that. Yeah, so I'm actually uh, from about 45 minutes south of Indy, um, Greensburg, Indiana. Um, and I, I grew up there um, my whole life, um, but was always up in Indy. Just, you know, my trainer, Deshaun Johnson, was up here in Indy. Um, and then my AAU team was based out of Indy. Um, so I was always up here in Indy. So Indy was kind of like my second home. Um, okay. and then, uh, from there, I played basketball at North Decatur high school. Um, and then from there I went to, uh, Trine university for one year and then Anderson university for three. Um, and, and then kind of got into coaching after that. Okay. All right. So that's, that's, that's key, you know, for my listeners to know, like the people that I trust are people that played the game. You know, you got a lot of coaches. You got a lot of, you know, pretenders, trainers out here that didn't play the game. I trust guys that played the game, whether it's high school or college or AAU, and you're one of those guys that I trust your basketball background because you got it just like everybody else. You got it through playing the game. So answer me this. So right now you're an assistant at uh, Division One IUPUI. Um, I didn't take to get there. I know you were a Division Three coach. I know you were an AAU coach. What, what led up? to being at this level that you're at now? Yeah, so uh, it was actually my sophomore year of college going into my junior year, um, and I needed a summer job. So I actually helped my AAU coach um, as an assistant with his program that year just to make some money because, you know, which, to be honest, which I was – program? Which program are you talking to? Talking about? Southern Indiana Heat. Uh, he, okay. no, he no longer does it, but, um, yeah, Southern Indiana Heat, I helped them for a year, and um, – yeah, to be honest, I, I, the reason I wanted to do coaching or switch it up a little bit was because I was tired of doing, you know, the the, the yard work for summer jobs, painting and, and all, those, all those jobs. I was like, man, I want to do something different um, because I never knew I wanted to be a coach until that moment. So started okay. helping and, and I realized, you know, how much I enjoyed it and just really just giving back to the kids and, and trying to help them um, with any insight I've seen on, on the court, you know, maybe more importantly, off the court. Um so from there, the next year, I was like, man, I want to start my own program. So I started the Indiana Legends, um, which I coached for five years. Uh, and then that kind of jump-started my career into coaching. And at the time, you know, I didn't really know how far it was going to take me. My whole goal was just to positively impact these kids' lives on and off the court. Yeah. Uh, you know, try to help them. If their goals were to reach the college game, you know, and play college basketball, that was, that was my goal, to help them um, make it to that level. I'd do anything I could. So – um, from there, you know, it just kind of just took off. And, and, you know, I had good players year in and year out. So a lot of coaches were contacting me, and I always stayed in touch with them. And then uh, my first year out of college, I got um, uh, offered to be the assistant coach and JV coach at Cathedral High School here in Indianapolis, Indy, uh, Indiana, from uh, Coach Andy Fagan was the head coach at the time. He's no longer there. But, uh, that's a, so, man, that's a big school in Indy now. Yeah. That down play at Cathedral was like it's – if you're in Detroit, if you're in Michigan, it's like a cab tech, it's like a renaissance, like it's it's one of those jobs. So don't downplay because you're an assistant. Like that's a that's a big time job right there. 
Yeah, I was very uh, blessed and fortunate to get that job, and Coach Fagan is still, you know, a big mentor of mine. Um, so went there, and I was with um, uh, Jordan Walker, who played up Moorhead, uh, Aaron Gordon, um, who was at went to Seton Hall, is now at Valparaiso. Uh, Jerron Coleman um, is at Ball State. Armand Franklin actually played JV for me, who's at IU now. So just being around a high-level program like that and, and allowing me to be in charge of the guard skill development um, it really grew me as a coach, and Coach Fagan kind of grew me in some different ways, and and uh, it, w- it was a great experience. Um, so definitely, you know, something that jump started my career. And then from there, um, I actually got an offer to go to St. Francis, an NAI school in Fort Wayne, um, and I was only there for a summer, but still learned a great deal from them, just as about you know as far as running camps and and stuff like that. So. From there, uh, I got a call from Coach Kyle Lindsay at Adrian. He just got the job, um, I think it was at the fall of 2016 or 2017. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, it was the fall of 2016. So, um, now I was going to be the head assistant there. Rather than at St. Francis, I was the third or fourth guy in line. So, at Adrian, that was just me and Coach Lindsay. So, I jumped on that offer and, mm-hmm. and was there for two years and was fortunate enough to be able to, you know, bring a lot of my AAU guys there and, you know, help, you know, start his, you know, his program and contribute, you know, however I could to help. And, you know, last year, obviously I wasn't there, but last year Adrian actually won the NCAA or won the MIAA and had a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. And they actually able to play their first game before the Corona hit. It was pretty cool seeing, you know, my guys flourish, you know, in that system. Yes. That's why you recruited them there. And I think the key point that I don't think people really understand is that at that level, you can still coach AAU. So, you know, while he was, while he was uh, coaching at the Division three, he was still coaching his AAU guys, and that kind of gives you an advantage. It gives you a chance to recruit while you're on the road. It gives you a chance to still coach and sharpen your skills, and it keeps you connected to players. So how did that, how did that lead to IUPUI, the Division one opportunity? Yeah, that's, that was huge. Um, like Cam said, that's huge at the Division three level. You're still able to do that and be around players and, and still obviously – you know, obviously you have some players better than Division Three on your roster, so you still have higher-level coaches talking to you. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so um, in the, uh, what was it, the spring of, of 2018, um, I got a call from, uh, first, you know, Coach Fagan kind of let me know what was going on because he was at IUPUI, who used to be, you know, the head coach at Cathedral when I worked with him, um, that he would be leaving and ask if I would be interested. And I said, yes, 100%. Um, so then I got a call from Coach Jason Gardner and, and I came on there as the director of basketball operations and, and then uh, was, there, was there for one year in that role. And then in the spring of 2019, I got promoted to assistant coach. And, and now I'm here where I am. That's good. That's good to know. Um, let our listeners know, like, what's the difference between an assistant coach and a director of basketball ops? Because some people don't know. There's a big difference from being um, a basketball ops guy and being an assistant coach. And you have both of those roles. So what's the biggest difference between the two? Yeah, so at, at the division one level. Yeah, at the division one level, the ops guy is just in charge of flights, meals, um, travel, buses, submitting, you know, paperwork and buying the coaching packets, uh, doing expense reports. Um, usually I mean I was the academic um liaison, compliance liaison. So all those jobs um, and you're just trying to keep the staff organized and help in any way you can. Obviously, you can you can't be on the court coaching. You can you can be at practice. You just cannot direct players 
or anything like that or instruct them. Um, and then obviously as an assistant coach, you're, you're really focused on recruiting, scouting reports, and player development. Um, those are the biggest, biggest, you know, three roles as an assistant coach, obviously being on the court um, and, and, you know, instructing the guys. But those are the three, four biggest things as an assistant. But I would like to go back to anybody that is at the small college level. I think, you, you know, it's important to realize, you know, like Adrian, I was doing all those things. At, yep. Like you're, you're everything, you know, all the small call advantage, you know, academics, you're doing compliance yep. stuff here and there, you're doing meals, you're doing travel, you got a coach, you got to do scouting reports, you got to recruit. So I just think the small college guys, and I know John Beeline has, has said this before that, you know, the small college guys are always the guys that are most prepared. Um, yep. And I really believe that now that I'm at this division one level and seeing it all is I was super prepared for the, this job at IUPUI just because. I was a top assistant at Adrian. I had to do everything. I was forced to do everything. So I think the small college guys, you just got to keep networking. And it's important for you to get in there with higher level coaches. If that's what, if that's your goal to be at a division one level, um, mm-hmm. then you, you need to, you know, go to final fours, but most importantly, you need to go whatever the closest D one schools are to are to, to wherever you're working. You need to travel there and go to practices, go to workouts and start connecting yourself. Now, if you don't want to be at that level, cool. You know, just keep working your network at the Division three level, get to know AD and stuff like that so you can be head coaches. But I think at the Division one level, I wish I would have even, you know, drove to more Division one practices when I was a Division three coach because you got that downtime in the fall while the Division ones are going on. So You can't do nothing. Yeah, so if I could go back and do it all over again, I would have definitely hit some more Division one practices at a, as a small college assistant. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that people don't understand is that the, the lower-level coaches, and not even just D3, like even at a D2. So the budgets are so small, you don't have a whole bunch of coaches. You got a couple coaches. You might only have one or two full-time coaches. In Division two, depending on your budget, you probably only got one. If you got a really good budget, you got two. But if you only got one full-time assistant like I was, you have to do everything. So when you have to transition into a bigger role, I mean, at a bigger school like a Division one, it's easier to make that transition because you don't have to do 20 things you got to do three or four. But right. you got to do those three or four at a very high level. That's the one thing that people don't understand is, okay, yeah, I'm here just to recruit. You better get some players. Like, right. You, you got you you to be really, really, really yeah, good. Yeah, correct. Like, if that is your thing, okay. you're you going to have to deliver me some players. So, uh, no, that's that's good stuff. So, right now, we're in a pandemic. We're in a pandemic. If you want to go out and get food, you got to wear a mask on. Like, we're in a pandemic. I'm not sure where Indiana is. Michigan is pretty. It is what it is. You know, we're still out of staying home. Uh, how has this pandemic in the last month and a half affected your recruiting? Has it affected your team? Like, how are you functioning as an assistant basketball coach in this pandemic? Yes, it's obviously been crazy for everybody. And I just, um, Marion County, which is in Indian, obviously that covers Indianapolis. The outskirts are on different um, guidelines right now, but Indianapolis is still a phase behind um, the whole state. So, um no, it's been it's been difficult and and just so you know at the beginning it was kind of difficult. Now I think it's everybody's norm as far as setting up Zoom calls, FaceTime calls, um, and just how you're going to communicate with your team, how many times a week. Um, but I would say the biggest thing that I miss out on and is why I coach basketball is the interactions with the young guy, you know, the young men. Yeah, I, I miss talking to the guys and seeing them every day. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been a couple months, so. I think that's the biggest thing that affects me as far as our team. 
Um, I just wish, you know, I could see the guys. And then as far as recruiting, obviously you're just trying to, you know, show the guys, the recruits, the student athletes as much as you can um, through, you know, virtual videos and, and stuff like that. So I think it, it has played a toll just because a lot of a lot of coaches, they like that interaction with them, getting them on campus and talking to parents because I think in-person is, you know, can't be the deal sometimes. But um, it's definitely it's definitely been an adjustment. Definitely yeah. for, for evaluations, we definitely obviously have to rely a lot more on film, which is which is key, which is key because a lot of times coaches don't trust their eyes, right? And with social media, with highlight tapes, with film, it's easy to just watch a bunch of film and okay, this guy can play. Let's offer. What's different when you actually have to go to a site, watch a kid play? Now you got to watch his body language, you got to watch his character. How does he? compete with other teams how is he with his teammates that's the kind of stuff you don't get from watching on film so it's kind of harder it makes it easier for the guys who didn't want to get out on the road anyway right so guys guys like me and you that want to get out on the road and we we cutting corners and we on the back end we watching this summer league game and after this game we go on this AU game and after this AU game we going over here like for those coaches that just want to sit on their couch and watch film it makes it a little bit easier for them so um, I know it's harder to recruit in these times. I just, I just know that, you know, we want basketball back, but we want to be able to be safe and do it at a timely fashion. So, uh, first of all, before I get to my next question, I just want to thank you for coming on uh, my podcast. A lot of people, they talk about, oh, I want to get on your podcast, but they don't have anything to talk about. You have something to, to talk about, right? Because first, you, went to, you went to the struggle. You were an AU coach, you were a D3 coach, now you're a D1 coach. Now, what I would like for you to give us is your perspective on the current events and what's going on now. Uh, you got these riots going on. You got people looting. You got people uh, upset. You got people really upset about this cop that killed the civilian. So I want you to give me your side of things because I think your perspective is really good. So I want you to I want you to give us your side of things and how do you feel about this situation that's going on across the world? You know, yeah, it, it, at times it's so hard for me to put into words. And, and, and I think one key thing that, you know, obviously that all this is coming to light because of video and the social media stuff nowadays. And I've always felt like this, you know, and, and you know, I, I'll be the first to admit I should have spoke up sooner. But mm -hmm. it's just, it's unfortunate, man. It, it's saddening. And, and I became very saddened and angered over the last, you know, three weeks or month or whatever it's been. And not only George Floyd, the guy down there, Ahmad, and then uh, mm -hmm. who was the one before that? I forget. Uh, 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 the, the Brianna girl in uh, Louisiana. Yep, 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 yep. So it's just it's very saddening and and makes me very angry because this is this is my perspective, and it has been my perspective since day one, since I was born. I guess it's just always been in me. Is everyone is human, no matter what, no matter no matter your color, no matter how much money you have, no matter where you come from, no matter your religious beliefs, no matter your political beliefs, whatever it happens to be is everybody is human. So bottom line is, yeah, you can have an opinion, but all that should go out the door at the end of the day when you're talking about killing people and yep. treating them unfair and doing all that's not right. And it's not right. And I'm so glad that all this is happening because it does need to, you know, there does need to be a change and this does need mm -hmm. to stop. Um, and, and like I said, I post on my social media, I'm committed to continuing to speak up 
and then help in, in whatever ways I can because, like I said, there needs to be major, major changes, you know, taken in the world, um, and everybody needs to step up, and I think we all need to do it together, and, and like we have been, just putting every, you know, everything on that social media platform to to put everybody else on blast that's doing things wrong. Um, that's right. That's right. Black lives matter and, and every life matters. And I think mm-hmm. whoever is racist and doing, and that obviously all the cops and all the social injustice, that all needs to stop. And, and mm-hmm. those guys, those people need to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that in Detroit and Michigan is as crazy as Indiana right now. You know, we have, man, we, I, there's actually someone that I, that I know that got shot during the, um, during the protest it, it's really it's really Ooh. sad um it just got you know it just got released last night that he was killed so um, Man. It's, it's, Sorry so it's so unfortunate it's so unfortunate and they're just neat this is this should be eye-opening to everybody that there needs to be major changes made in this world that's that's key that, uh, and that's the thing that i want to tip my hat on is that that all of this is going on and has been going on for a very long time very long time very long so, time. It wasn't just this incident that happened two weeks ago. Like, it's been going on for a long time. And this was the reason why Colin Kaepernick took a deal for police brutality. Right. And e- even though there's rioting going on all over the across the country, I think now people are starting to notice, like, holy crap, like, this is, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. But this- in the African-American community, we see it all the time. Every day. And we see it every day. So it's just like, it's not nothing new to us. It's just now it's coming to light. Now everybody is seeing it. It ain't just us seeing it because it's being taped. It's on the internet. It's on social media. So everybody is seeing it now, which is why you're seeing outbreaks in Washington. You see outbreaks in New York. You see it in Detroit. You see it in Indy. You see it in uh, L.A. You see it in Atlanta. You see it all over the country when it was just one situation. However, that one situation happens all the time. And... I just, I just like the fact that people are starting to speak up about it. They're starting to put their foot out and say, no, this is not okay. So now, here's the thing. When you come on my podcast, I'll we'll put you on the hot seat. So this is the hot seat, right? This is the question I want you to ask for me right now. Lavelle Moan. Lavelle Moan is the head coach at North Carolina Central. There was an article that came out, uh, I want to say a few days ago, and he expressed his dislike on a lot of college head coaches, particularly white coaches, they have not said anything, and primarily most of their players are black. So how do you feel about some of these coaches who just put out a statement or they, they try to act like that they're, they're being in front of the movement and whatnot, but they're being very silent. You not seeing much from Coach K. Like some of these guys that make four, five, six, seven million dollars, they're not saying a whole lot. So what is your take on, you know, some of these white coaches who have primarily black players that aren't really saying much during this time? You know, I think that I think they need to speak up, and and you know, it, it, it might it took me about two or three days to you know put my get my thoughts together because at first mm-hmm. I got this long you know message. I'm realizing it needs to be direct, but I just, yep. and obviously they have more resources than I do. But I mm-hmm. think they need to all coaches need to speak up because of the platform they're at, especially like you said, they're they're at the highest level, you yeah. know, and and realize you know if if they they're going to impact more people than you or I will. But, oh, for you know, sure. Everybody, hopefully, you know, I just by hoping me releasing one statement, I can affect one person I know that's in the mm-hmm. majority to get off their little mindset they have, the little closed mindset they have. So I think all the big time people need to continue to speak up 
and I think uh, Coach Moten is correct. I think I think every NFL, um, NBA, college coach, they all, all, everyone needs to speak up because bottom line is no no one's listening to the cops or or nope. the, the governor or nope. any of those, the mayors or, or any president of those, the president the the president yeah exactly no one is going to listen to them it's mm-hmm. got to come with the public figures that you like you're talking about that make millions they mm-hmm. have to come out and say something and that's just my opinion you know obviously everybody has their own opinions but they of i course. think everybody needs to speak up of all callers everybody needs to speak up and and release their statements and, and you know put some you know make some changes happen and i think you know they people have no question you know they have to they have to listen if everybody speaks up they have to listen and the next thing that i wanted to say was i hope that this just doesn't die down in a in a week like i don't right. want this to die down in a week i want this to continue now obviously i'm not saying people keep getting killed and looting and all the all the some of the negative stuff that comes from it which i understand why you know why the looting and the negative is the game is attention but i i would hope that like you said the big time people will speak up over these next week, days, whatever it is, and we can all come together positively to, to make some, you know, major changes. That's that's real. That's real. They don't get no real internet. Uh, they got to speak up. The one thing I do like about the NBA, you see the head coach in Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks, he was the lead on they, – they now have a racial and um, gestural enforcement committee that they're putting together with all oh, yeah. the, awesome. in, in the NBA – the assistant coaches, head coaches. I want to say I just saw it on ESPN today. So I like seeing, you know, social reform like that where people can come together and say, all right, it's more than just this incident. That What are we going to do? Like, what's next? Like, we can't just kneel. What, what are we going to do now? What, how are we going to change this? So I like to see that kind of thing. And, you know, like you said, hopefully we can come together as one and get over this whole situation. So, uh, I appreciate you coming on my podcast. Is there anything else that you want my listeners to know about you, about your program, what you're trying to do, your goals? Is there anything else you want to leave us with while you got this platform to talk? Go ahead, my man, Coach. I just, uh, I'm just here to help in any way with, you know, obviously basketball or off the court, obviously with these issues going on in the world. And, and if anybody out there wants any advice with just even – I know obviously my platform is basketball, but if anybody wants any advice on – any basketball questions and or anything, you know, I just feel free to reach out anytime. I'm always willing to help with anything. What's your What's your social media at? How can people reach you? Uh, Twitter, Coach, and then it's Lockley. Lockley is Coach Lockley. It's C O A C H, and then Lockley is L O E C H L E. That's real. That's real. Like I think my, my people understand that I wouldn't feel, put people on this platform they couldn't trust about their basketball knowledge. So uh, make sure you reach out to Coach. Like I said, if you got any questions, if you're an inspiring coach, if you're an AU coach, and you want to figure out how to get to the D1 level, you want to figure out what do I need to do, you say you need to make connections, you need to stay in contact with coaches, and you need to grind. You need to grind. So I appreciate you coming on our platform today, and I wish you the best. Uh, if you need, you know, if you ever need anything from me, you know I got you. And with that said, we appreciate you coming on Talk Loose with Coach Hamm. Yes, sir. No problem, my man. Thanks for having me, Cam. Oh, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All right, see you. It's your coach that knows who's the most. First of all, before we go upon uh, this podcast any further, I would like to thank my main man, Isaac Lockley, for coming on to my podcast and giving us his views on being a Division One coach, 
uh, talking about the pandemic and everything that's going around in the world. So I appreciate him coming on all this podcast. Real good dude. Coaches at IUPUI. I'm telling you right now, if you need you need to know any information about any kid in Indy, uh, coaches, you need to hit him up, like straight up. You know about them all. Transfers, D2, D1, he's got them all. So I just want to thank my guy for coming on to this podcast. Before I end off this, this session for this week, at first I was just going to do the live, do the interview, and I was just going to cut it off. But it's just so much going on in the world. I mean, I got to have my two cents. It would be uh, irresponsible for me and my platform to not at least give my view on what's going on in the world. And outside of the pandemic, we've been we've been in the house. We've been in a pandemic for 81 days. My wife told me today and that that allows you time to think and it allows you time to really uh, appreciate being with your family. Uh, just to have a, a different view on life in general. Uh, you appreciate the smaller things more. I know I do. I mean, just a little time that I have with my sons is just it's irreplaceable. I don't know how I went days, months, and I didn't get that time. But what's going on now with the Black Lives Matter movement and, and rest in peace to George Floyd and what's happening in uh, Minneapolis and in Louisiana and in Florida and Atlanta and L.A. and Detroit and all over this country is that people are fed up, man. Flat out. Like people are just fed up with the bullshit. Fed up. We've got and it starts at the top. So if you want to know what's going on with the people, it starts at the top. Who's the leader of the people, the president? And I know it's a lot of people that follow the president. There's a lot of people that voted for him. A lot of your favorite coaches, I'm telling you right now, they believe in Trump. They might not tell you to their face, but behind closed doors, they're Trump supporters. They are. I mean, he got into office, so he had to get enough vote. Somebody voted for him. So trust me, you will see those people to be like, uh, there's certain things that I really don't like what he does, but he does do X, Y. Okay, all right, you're a Trump supporter. That's cool. I'm not. And I don't really get on a political rant, but that's, I'm, just, I'm just drawing my line in the sand. I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not. But when you look at the top, it, it, it trickles down, man. This has nothing to do. Well, it does have. Every, I was going to say it has nothing to do with uh, with George Floyd, but it does. It does. Because if you arrest those officers immediately and you charge the one with his neck, with, with his knee on his neck, you charge him for first degree murder. And the other three with contempt. We don't have riots going on, but it's kind of like the school shootings. The police have been have been have been. Uh, harassing blacks for decades. They've been killing blacks for decades. And I know people use the term African-American. I'm just going to say black. That's just, I am. You can choose to do what you do with it. But black people, because black lives matter. They don't say African-American lives matter. They say black lives matter. So, look, they've been killing black people for years. The police and that's why when the, the black, when we speak up about it, it didn't have enough of a, a voice. So something else had to happen. We couldn't just speak up about it. People had to start writing. Some people had to start looting. Some fires had to get burned. I'm not condoning the looting. I'm not condoning the violence. I'm not. But what I'm saying is something had to happen for America that's non-black to be like, all right, okay, something, we got to do something about this. It's spiraling out of control. And that's my take on it is basically 
I appreciate now that more people are starting to get celebrities are starting to speak up. You get, you're getting, um, you know, people that are non-black that are starting to, to, to join the force and to join the movement. Because when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, you just thought it was about the flag. It's not about it was never about the flag. It was never about disrespecting America or the flag. It was all about social injustice. It was all about police brutality. And it was all about black people getting killed, particularly men by the police. I could run off the names. I'm not going to run off all the names that have of, of black men and women that have been killed by police. But now, now we're starting to see, OK, this might be a problem in America. And it is. It's a problem. But now, like like Jay-Z said, what we going what we going to do now? We can't just kneel. They don't want us to kneel. They don't want us to do nothing peacefully. What we going to do now? And that's what you see happening in L.A. You see what's happening in Atlanta and all these other places that people that are fed up. Now, what I don't enjoy to see is that our people that are not about the movement just burning and looting and taking advantage of the situation. I'm not cool with that. I'm not. However, something has to be done. So I like what Lloyd Pierce is doing, the head coach for the Atlanta Hawks. He's putting together a task force. Say, you know what? Let me pull my coach together in the NBA. Let's get a committee together and let's see how we can change with a reform, how we can put people together to create change. And those are avenues and those are things that need to happen more often. The NFL had theirs in place, so now it's going to get more steam with them. You're probably going to see something in the, in the NHL or NLB, but those are the sports that matter. Football and basketball matter. And I, I'm, I'm glad to see that they're putting committees together to change reform because what is going on in the world is crazy. Like I, I, I was working out last night. True story. My wife was like, aren't you afraid to go running at night? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm cool. Um, I'm straight. Like we live in a nice neighborhood. I shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't be scared. Uh, and then I got to running and I got to thinking, damn, like I got a little nervous, but like, I really did. Like I got nervous. All I wanted to do was go outside and run three miles. But that's probably the same thing that Amon Arby wanted to do. He wanted to just go out and run a couple miles and work out. I, you know, and, and in the back of my mind, all I could think was, damn, I hope somebody don't hop out and something happened to me when all I want to do was work out. I ain't I'm not, I ain't a criminal. I ain't out here doing nothing. I just want to break run some cardio, break some sweat. And I was kind of scared. Like, damn, like this probably was not a good idea to be running around in the neighborhood with what's going on in the world. Uh, even though it's, it's a nice neighborhood, that's probably wasn't a great idea. That probably wasn't a great thing to do. And I know I'm not talking basketball right now, but this is relevant for the time. So like I said, I'd be irresponsible when I talk about it. I was really like, I was really scared. And when I got home, I was like, damn, like, I'm glad I made it home. Like, I probably won't be doing that again. Not at 10 o'clock at night. You know, but I should be able to, to run outside. I should be able to do that. But with what's going on in the world, I can't. So um, I just want my listeners to know that I'm for the movement. I, whatever y'all want to do, I'm with it. But there's only so many, t so many things that you can say. You got to start doing. And if you're head coach right now, if you're, if you're on a basketball team and your coach isn't saying anything... You need to be wary about, you know, going to, going to battle with those kind of guys. If they ain't not saying nothing, they ain't on your team. They might wear the same jerseys as you. They ain't on your team. They not. It's a lot of coaches are silent. Now, putting up a statement on Twitter ain't enough for me. It's not. It's not enough. I need to see some coaches doing it. So I like to see Chris Beard in the battle with his soldiers, with his guys. 
marching. Like, that's what I want to see. I don't want to see, you know, you put a statement on Twitter that your social media person whipped up together and all is well. You go to your mansion and all, you know, it's good. We don't see you on the streets. We don't see you actually voicing your opinion on, on camera. You know, and I like how Lavelle Moton called some coaches out. He said, man, these power five coaches need to speak up and do something because those are the people they're going to listen to. They're not going to listen to Coach Cam. I got an audience of 50 people. They ain't listening to me, but they'll listen to Tom Izzo. They'll listen to Coach K. If they said, you know what, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and we're going to change this. So uh, just wanted to talk about that. That's just my take. What's going on in the world is pretty crazy. I'm going to be honest with you. It's crazy. But guess what? People are fed up, man. We're tired of seeing our people dying by the hands of police. That's what it is. Police brutality. That's what it is, man. That's what it that's that's the ground on the ground end of it. That's what it is. So stop killing black people, brown people, brown women. Stop killing them because it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. It really ain't. It really ain't. And, I'm t- I, you know, I'm just I would like to see some action. Now. I would like to see some action. I would like to see some athletes, some coaches get together and start changing reform for uh, this police brutality because it's gotten out of hand. So now you start. Now the president of the free world is basically telling you it's basically martial law now and you got to move. You're going to do what we say you're going to do. We're going to shoot rubber bullets at you. And it's just it's gotten it's gotten out of hand. But don't forget the issue. They want to talk about the riot and the looting. Talk about the real issue. Talk about the police killing all these black men and black women and brown women. That's that's the issue. And how can we get that to stop? And once we get that to stop, then we can move on. So, um, like I said, I didn't want to go on uh, a whole uh, episode about what's going on. Just wanted to let you guys know how I feel uh, about the situation. We'd like to see more coaches get involved, show their faces, get on the ground, start marching. And let's change the reform, man. Let's change the world. And on that note, it's your coach that knows who's the most. We're wrapping up this episode, episode 17, still in the quarantine, part five. And you know what it is, man. It's your coach that knows who's the most. And I'm going to holler at y'all, man. Peace. She's that dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Because we talking hoops. Yeah.